Good morning and welcome. Praise God for the rain. Happy Father's Day. And I was reading in Micah this morning, and listen to what this says about an awesome God that we have. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread on iniquities under feet. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Regardless of where you are or where you've been, God's steadfast love and compassion is extended to all 
um, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is an exciting thing that we can gather together in His name for worship as we gather together. And we do pray, just like that song that we sang, that God's Spirit would fall fresh on us in this place, would fall on our community, would fall into our hearts, and that we would experience the joy of His presence and His power at work in our lives. It is good to see you this morning, fathers. Um, Thank you for your hard work in the past. Thank you for your endurance. Thank you for your, your patience. Thank you, at least if you were like the house I grew up in, thank you that you listened to your, your wife. Um, as she gave um, gentle steering and, and counsel throughout the years. Thank you for loving um, your wives. Thank you for caring for your children. And we also want to be especially mindful of those who um, are without a father, who have lost their fathers, and we thank, we're thankful for their legacy. We're thankful for their just the memories that we have that are so... Um, much a blessing and provide a great deal of comfort. I want to take opportunity this morning before we worship more together just to pause and to pray. There's so much going on in this world around us and we all know that there is only one remedy. There's only one who can work in and change the hearts of men that can change situations, that can change the course of history, can change things um, in the government. And so, um, would you just join me, um, if you're here in the building or if you're, you're joining us on Facebook, as we lift up um, our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning to you, and we are so thankful that you are a God who hears, and that you are a God who works and moves. God, we thank you for your steadfast love and your compassion. And when we ask ourselves the question, who is a God like you, we answer that There is no one like you, that you are God of all creation, the Lord of heaven and earth, and that you rule and you reign over all things. And God, we thank you that you have brought rain to our land, and we ask that you would bring the rain, the freshness of your presence into our lives this morning as we lift up our voices in song. We're thankful for fathers this morning, for men who have listened to your voice, have walked in your way have led us, have cared for us, have provided for us. But we're also mindless, mindful of those that are, that were fatherless, for those that are, that were orphaned or abandoned. And God, we thank you that you and you alone are the father to the fatherless. And we thank you that your presence is a great comfort. And we thank you that you are a good father, that you are the perfect father, and that you bring good gifts to your children. And Father, we are also thankful for memories of our fathers, of our dads, that we have lost, that are now at home with you. And we're thankful for those sweet reminders, those fun times, those life lessons that we learned from them. We're thankful that you have left a legacy in that. So Lord, help us not to soon forget. God, most of all, we're thankful that we are gathered here this morning in your name to lift praises to you. And we're thankful for the freedom we enjoy to do that. As we think of what is going on just outside our walls or maybe even across city lines or county lines, God, we're mindful that there is still a virus, a sickness that is ravaging many communities. We pray for your your mercy, for your healing, 
We pray for protection for medical personnel as they care for those in, in Tarrant County and Dallas County and other counties in Texas where the numbers are, are very high. How do we pray for this opportunity for the church to be a voice of comfort, a voice of hope, a voice of healing? We remember the continued racial tension, that there are many that are confused and many that are angry during this time. And God, we pray that you would be our guide and you would bring our hope. And Father, that we would walk in love. Father, we thank you that you not only are a father to the fatherless, but you stand up for those who are downtrodden, those who have suffered injustice. And so, God, we pray for your your justice. We pray for your fairness to rule in our land. And that hearts would listen and hearts would be changed. We're thankful this morning that we can join together our voices and our hearts in worship. And we ask that you would help us to turn our hearts to you. That all the problems, all the difficulties, all the challenges of this world, we would lay at your feet. And that we would worship you, the one who is worthy of our worship and our praise. And that you would find our our worship and find our hearts pleasing in your sight. And we ask that this morning in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you join us as we continue to sing and worship this morning? Do you stand and sing with us today?
If you brought a, a Bible with you this morning, I invite you, first of all, to turn to the uh, book of Luke. We're going to look at the fifth chapter of the book of Luke, and I will also read a few verses in the book of Matthew while you're turning there to find your place. just want to remind men that tomorrow morning um, you're welcome to join us at the Elk Diner for, for men's prayer as we start the week off um, praying together for God to, to work in our, in our own lives and the lives of our families, the lives of those in our church and for those in our community. That's tomorrow morning, 6.30 at the Elk Diner. Let me just say again, um, just to make sure, men, you hear it, happy Father's Day. Today for us to celebrate the, the man of the house. You know, you might call him dad, pop, daddy, or, or whatever name you have for him. But the man that you know to be your father. Now, a lot of times when we show up at church on Father's Day, we, we hear a message that goes a little something like this. Men, you, you aren't what you should be. Men, you need to be what you're not. And men, just try harder, do better, and we'll see you next year. But my hope is this morning that we have a very different message. Men, I, I want you to hear God has a place for you. Man, God has a purpose for you. Man, there is a fulfilling life for you. Man, Jesus wants you. And while I'm speaking specifically to men this morning, I don't want you to, to fall asleep or to take notes that you plan to share with your spouse later. Did you hear that, honey? You need to listen to this. This is for you. But I want you to realize that these things are also applicable to all people. And what I don't want, I hope I don't, what I hope you don't hear me saying this morning is, men, it's time to get it all together, shape up, step up and change the way you're doing things. No, what I, what I hope you'll hear this morning is, men, Jesus is calling you to follow after him, to delight in his presence and to live in his power. We're going to look at a very familiar story. If you grew up in Sunday school, you probably heard this story probably many, many times. It's the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. We're going to read the account in Luke and in Matthew. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing. But it's your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, starting in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two boats. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word and you would apply it to our hearts this morning by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, O Lord, because we need to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. The main idea of what I want to talk about this morning is that Jesus is calling you to follow after Him, to delight in His presence and live in His power. I have five words for you this morning. They all start with the letter C. If you don't get them written down now, don't worry. They'll come up again. But I want to talk about a crisis, a cause a companion, a calling, and a cross. There is a crisis in our land. Futility and frustration is common among the men of our culture. And men, I think we would all agree that we want what we do to matter, to make a difference in the world that we live in. Now, the phrase I want you to key in in our our text in Luke is when Peter says to the Lord, we toiled all night and took nothing. We want to feel like we are accomplishing something, making a difference. And you can hear the frustration in Peter's voice, the futility of their actions. We have toiled, worked hard, strove all night, and we've caught nothing. How many times at the end of a day, Men, do you come home and feel like you have worked hard and accomplished nothing? You see, there's more to life than earning a paycheck, paying the bills, taking care of business. All those things are definitely important, but there's more to life. See, Jesus met these four fishermen on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and they were no doubt hard working men. Can you imagine having to drag your boat out, launch it out, get your nets ready, untangle them, clean them, get prepared to go out and fish all night to come back in. And if you caught fish, you had to prepare the fish for for sale. Then you had to clean the nets and you had to fold the nets. And if they were torn, you had to mend them. And then you had to store your boat. There was certainly not a lack of effort in these men. They fished all night. But there was obvious frustration because it says what? They caught nothing. 
And you hear that when Jesus says, you know, put the boat out again, Peter. Well, okay, you know, we can do that. But we didn't catch anything the first time. But he listens obediently. There's nothing to show for their effort and their time. And you see, there's the same thing in our world today. There is a crisis in our land. It's a crisis of identity. Men, women alike are walking around asking the question, who am I? What am I here for? They go looking for it in all the wrong places. They look for it in their career. They look for it in their possessions. They look for it in relationships or other things. And they go looking and searching for something they'll never find in anyone or anything but Jesus. But there's also a crisis of balance. There's a struggle in our day to fit everything in. It's hard in the 12 hours of daylight to get in all the things we want to do. And we think, well, if we stay up a little later or get up a little bit earlier, maybe there'll be time. But time and time again, at least me personally, I figure out there's not enough time in the day to do the things that I want to do. And it's very easy if we're not careful to get locked into one thing at the expense of everything else. And there are things in our day, in our life that we have to do. There's things that we get to do. There's things that we want to do, and there's things that we simply can't do. And in this search for balance, there is a calling to prioritize our lives. Jesus makes it clear that if we seek Him first in His kingdom, that everything else is going to fall into place. So we start with Jesus, then our family, and then everything else. Man, I encourage you in this area that as you look at your calendar, as you look at your phone, that you begin to organize your life around kingdom priorities and the things that are non-negotiable, the things that you have to do. Write them on your calendar and pen. Prayer. Worship. Reading your Bible. Spending time with your family. Recent Barna study that just actually came out, George Barna, who has studied the church, has studied Christianity for years, just came out in, in March or April. He says this, men who pursue wealth or focus on career success are more likely to feel lonely and overwhelmed. Think about the frustration and the futility in that. Chasing after things that you think, without a doubt, would help you feel content would help you feel satisfied, actually lead to loneliness and overwhelmed feelings. So there's definitely a problem of balance. But I would also say, men, there's a problem of insecurity. It's constantly bearing the burdens of your weaknesses and your failures. Men, we spend a lot of time looking at what we're not and what we wish we were. Or what somebody else thinks we should be. We spend maybe time belittling ourselves or putting ourselves down. Or we do the opposite. We feel like we have to over, overcompensate for those insecurities. And we feel like we constantly have to prove ourselves. We have to do something. Accomplish something. And each of these, if left unchecked, lead to indulgence. Which is also part of the crisis, indulging in unhealthy activities, gratifying our flesh, 
addictions, lust, sexual sins, all root from these things. And then I want to tell you this morning, God designed you for something bigger, something greater, something better. And there's a solution to the the crisis. See, God doesn't intend you or me to live in futility, to work harder and longer, to have less and less satisfaction. No, Jesus is calling you and I out of futility, out of frustration. He's calling ordinary men and women to live extraordinary lives in the supernatural presence of His Spirit. He's calling us to live a life with purpose. See, when Jesus met these men, He gave them a cause to live for. It's two very powerful words, and you see them in these three Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Follow me. Jesus' words may have been short in length, but they were large in authority. Follow me. A life-changing call to some ordinary fishermen. A call to abandon their old way of life, to repent from their sin, to leave the past behind them, to reorient, to change the direction of their lives in search of, in a quest, in a journey for something greater than who they were. He gave them something to live for, something they could dedicate their life to, that they could follow after Jesus as Master and Lord. They could learn from Him. They could depend on Him. They would grow over time to trust in Him more and more. And they would learn that they were able to live for Him. See, Jesus called these fishermen to stop living for themselves and to start living for Him. I mean, let me ask you, what cause are you living for today? Who are you following? Ask yourself, am I following Jesus today? See, when Jesus called these men, these first disciples, he didn't call them to follow a movement. He didn't call them to follow a particular political party or some religious faction. No, Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John to follow after him. Follow me. So there's not just a cause, but there's also a companion There's so much packed into that word, me. It's a first-person, personal program, pronoun. Jesus invited these men to follow him. What did that mean? He was inviting them to be his disciples, to join with him. It's interesting to note that in Jesus' day, a student would approach a rabbi and request from the rabbi to be their student. So in that day, if I wanted someone to be my teacher, I would come to them and say, you know, will you teach me? And the rabbi, the teacher would have the opportunity to either approve them or say no, no. But here we have the master. We have the rabbi. We have the teacher, Jesus, calling out to his own disciples. And he still does that today. Oh, how many times we think about people that say they found God or they found Jesus. 
Oh, no. No, Jesus found you. And he's still finding men and women today. And that call was to constant companionship. Part of being a disciple was that you followed the master. You lived with the master. You learned from the master. And so other places in Scripture, we hear these phrases, come after me, abide in me. Jesus was saying, be with me, fellowship with me. And he is the friend that is closer than a brother, the perfect companion, the one who will never leave you and the one who will always love you. I don't know if having best friends is even on the radar anymore, but did you remember that in elementary school you had a best friend and that best friend probably changed on a um, on a day by day basis and sometimes or a minute by minute or there was sometimes there was that one person that was your best friend. I think many times we're in search for that kind of companion in our lives. And the good news is we can find that person in Jesus who will never leave you, who will always love you. He's always willing to listen. And here's the added bonus. He can transform you. He can change you. And today God desires to have a relationship with you in Jesus. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. And your relationship with Jesus affects all your other relationships. All the other relationships you were involved in flow directly from a relationship with Jesus. Here's a principle. If you have a a good relationship with Jesus, chances are your relationship with others is going to be good. If you're struggling in this area, if your relationships are difficult, if they're challenging, if they're frustrating and they're futile, then the the idea here is not to to buy a book on self-help, you know, 26 ways to have a better marriage or how to win friends or influence people or, you know, how, how to be a good dad. No, the key is to go back to your relationship with Jesus. And when you fix that relationship, other things will fall in place. That Barna study I referenced earlier tells us that men are desperately in need of. Now, what it doesn't say is more money and more power tools. No, it says men are desperately across the board in need of meaningful relationships. Study after study in the church and outside of the church tell us this. Men are lonely. Men are lonely because they lack meaningful relationships. They may be around people. They may be in the same room with a bunch of folks, but they're lacking deep connections. They're lacking a sense of community. And when you lack in those areas of your life, whether it's your family or with friends, you feel lonely and you feel overwhelmed. You see, today's man in the United States overwhelmingly is lonely and overwhelmed. We're made for relationships, men. And when healthy relationships don't exist, you open up the door wide for all kinds of problems and difficulties. And the effects both now and down the road will be catastrophic. Connect with Jesus. Connect with others. Let me say this. As loving as I, as I can, your family does not need bigger, better, newer stuff. They don't need you to make more money. They don't need you to make it or to be a success. Man, your family needs 
you. Your wife needs her husband. Your kids need their daddy. Your grandchildren need their granddad. Your brother or your sister needs your brother. They need you walking with Jesus. And men, you need your family. And you also need other believers. Jesus called these four fishermen to follow after him, but they didn't go alone. There were four there that would soon be twelve. He gave them a cause. He provided a presence that would be with them, following him. And this calling to follow me came with a promise. You see, this calling, and that's the fourth thing. From now on, you will be catching men. Or if you remembered it like I did, the NIV, follow me and you will be fishers of men. Follow Jesus, you're going to fish for men. Now, if you like to fish, some people just like the process of fishing. But if you like to fish and catch fish, imagine you spend all night fishing. You come back to the shore with nothing. Zero. Nada. You clean up your nets. You put up your equipment. You put up the boat. It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? To think you do all that work and you catch nothing. So imagine these men. But then you see in the story, with Jesus in the boat, they go from nothing to a miraculous catch of fish. The Gospels describe it as a net-breaking catch. An almost boat sinking catch. Definitely an eye opening catch of fish. And their efforts were once futile. But with Jesus in the boat, they become fruitful. Without Jesus, those nets were empty. With Jesus, they were so full they were about to break. And Jesus invites these disciples to follow him. Not to catch a boatload of fish in the sea, but to make fishers of men. This word for fishing is very interesting. It actually means to capture something alive. So they're not going to catch fish anymore. They're going to be going after men, after people. They're going to cast the net of the kingdom and fish for men and women and to hope and to pray that God's Spirit will capture them alive for the kingdom and give them a life and a purpose worth living for. J.C. Rawl, a commentator from, an, commentator from another day, says it this way, The meaning of the expression is clear and unmistakable. The disciples were to become fishers for souls. They were to labor to draw people not out of water, but out of darkness, into the light and from the power of Satan to God. They were to strive to bring people into the net of Christ's church so that they might be saved and not perish everlastingly. You see, when they accepted that call from God, that very moment, God began a process of transformation in their lives their futility over time would be replaced with fruitfulness. Their emptiness would be replaced with fullness. And they would no longer be fishing for what was temporary. 
They would be fishing for something with an eternal impact. They would begin to make a difference in the world they lived in. And let me ask you, at the end of the day, will your life make a difference for the kingdom of God? Will you be a fisher of men? Will you go on to be one that makes disciples? There's no greater purpose in life. There's no other joyful experience than to be in this wonderful Blessed calling that Jesus gives to be fishers of men. But we also have to understand that when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, it always leads to the fifth thing. And that's a cross. Matthew records it this way in verse chapter 4, verse 22. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So these four men, fishing partners in a fishing business, Peter, Andrew, James, John, left all they had to follow after Jesus. I don't know if you're familiar with the Michael Card song, but he pictures it beautifully in both melody and rhyme. Um, you're just going to get the rhyme because I'm not going to sing. Um, there sits Simon, so foolishly wise. Proudly, he's tending his nets. Then Jesus calls and the boat drifts away. All that he owns, he forgets. Michael Card goes on to talk about the freedom we find and the things that we leave behind. Other places in the Gospels talking about Jesus, it refers to this leaving things behind as part of what it means to take up your cross. That there is a commitment to follow Jesus. There is a decision that has to be made, and that decision comes with sacrifice. And it's a continual call to daily take up your cross and to live your life for Jesus, even if it led to death. You see, if you or I want to follow Jesus today, there's one thing that's unavoidable. It's the cross. You can't follow after Jesus and avoid the cross. Oh, how we would want to, because that means we could essentially live our lives the same way. We would give up nothing. We would experience no pain, no suffering. We would experience um, no hardship, no difficulty. We would just live our own way, but no, no. To follow Jesus, you must have a cross. We come to the cross, first of all, to find salvation. Not only do we, we lay our life down, we lay who we are down. We lay down our sin, our self, our pride, our shame. We lay it all at Jesus' feet. We lay down our plans, our agenda. And then we look to Jesus, the one who hung on the cross, who died for our sins, and we find real life. You see, what the Romans intended to be an instrument of death is really the source of life. We look to the cross and then we take up the cross and follow Jesus daily, turning over your life, turning over your will, turning over your plans to Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, and you can also find 
this in Mark chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Other places, Jesus says that if you do not take up your cross, Luke 14 tells us you cannot be his disciple. And Matthew records that also, that he would have no part of you. Billy Graham said this, to take up the cross means to associate yourself with Christ and to share in his rejection. It means you take a stand for Christ, even though people make fun of you, persecute you, or even kill you. And when we come to that cross, there's always two choices. You can follow along or you can walk away. You can yield to the call of Jesus, take up your cross and follow him or you can continue on. And here's the tragic truth. Not everyone chooses to follow Jesus. Oh, they hear the call, follow me. But they choose something else. Could be wealth, could be their own priorities. But they choose something else. Or some just simply delay. They've heard the call, but they think there'll be time later for that religious stuff. And these men or even these women walk away or they even run away from Jesus. I was in the mall in Honduras a few years back on a mission trip and I was just walking along, minding my business, and all of a sudden here comes this man, about 70 years old, and he's obviously an American. And so I struck up a conversation with him. I asked him what he was doing down there because, you know, in Central America, you're either a missionary or you're running from somebody. Um, that's really the two things. And and turns out he was running from something, and it eventually became me. Um, so I began to talk to him about that, and I just asked him, I said, you know, I don't remember his name, but I said, you know, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Now, I've never had this happen before in my life, but after we had been on the elevator, as soon as the elevator opened, it was like the starting gate at the Kentucky Derby. The man ran as fast as he could from me when I mentioned the name of Jesus. He proceeded across the mall, looking back over his shoulder to find out if I would be in pursuit of him. So some people don't just walk. They run away from Jesus. And when they do, there is a sadness in their hearts. Because they're not willing to let go. Mark chapter 10 Remember the story of the rich young man? Jesus tells him, you know, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. It says in verse 21, Look at the, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Isn't that comforting? When Jesus looks at you, he sees genuine love for you. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Oh, this guy knew all the stuff. He knew the rules. He kept all the commandments since he was a little boy. He probably had every star he could get on his star chart in Sunday school. But Jesus says, there's one more thing you need to do. Sell everything. Give it to the poor. Listen to verse 22. Listen to the tragedy. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. For he had many 
possessions. You could put in parentheses. And he loved those possessions more than he loved Jesus. Those kind of men walk away from Jesus. And the walk is tragic. It's filled with sadness. And the end is not pretty. It's eternal death. But following after Jesus is victorious living. It's joyful living, even in the midst of trials. And it ends not in eternal death, but in eternal life. Amen? Stephen Curtis Chapman. I, I, I admit his mullet years that he admit he, he talks about early in his career. That's the music that I grew up on. And he sang one song, For the Sake of the Call. And I just want you to listen to these words. Nobody stood and applauded them. So they knew from the start that this road would not lead to fame. All they really knew for sure was that Jesus had called them. He said, come follow me. And they came. And with reckless abandon, they came. Empty nets flying there by the water's edge told a story that few could believe and none could explain how some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus went with no thought to what they would gain. For Jesus had called them by name and they answered, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call. Man, Jesus is calling you to follow after him. The light in his presence and live in his power. The best Father's Day you could give, get from anywhere, any place is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The greatest gift that will transform your family, that will transform our community, that will transform this world is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's time to stop praying that for other people and hoping that other people get their junk together and saying, men, it's time that we lived for Jesus. Will you abandon all for the sake of his call? Will you follow after him? We pray, Father in heaven, we are grateful for this call of Jesus that was issued many years ago but still stands today. And we are challenged by these words to follow you, to abandon everything, to take up our cross and follow you. And so, God, we are asking this morning that not through persuasive words, not through guilt, not through shame, not through pleading, but by the power of your spirit that you would do your work of transformation in the hearts and lives of men and in women and in these people and all that are listening. God, that we wouldn't walk away the same, but we would be transformed by your word and your power. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you for your willingness to work. And Lord, we thank you for your graciousness and your loving kindness. Because you bring these things to us. Because you know it's what's good for us. You know it is for our best. And we trust you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing, I just want to, to let you know that an interesting part of this story is that when Peter, in the boat with Jesus, experiences his power at work, when he sees Jesus do something miraculous, 
The Bible tells us he fell to his knees and he looked at Jesus and said, depart from me. Lord, for I am a sinful man. At that moment, Peter realizes his emptiness. But he also sees the fullness of Jesus. Another way we could say it is Peter knew that he was a needy man. And he realized that Jesus had everything that was needed to meet his need. And maybe that's you today. Jesus is calling you today. Maybe it's just to get back on track, to start living the way that you know you should and you haven't been. Or maybe it's to follow after him for the first time. Either way, the way to get there is the same. It's simply through what the Bible calls repentance. It's turning away from what you were, turning away from the old way of life, turning away from sin and turning toward Jesus and putting your trust in him through faith. He wants you to delight in His presence. He wants you to live in His power. And Jesus says to all, follow after me. My prayer is you will consider these words as we sing together this morning. Will you join in standing and singing with us?
praise the Lord. It was good to be in fellowship together this morning. I'm glad you were able to join us here in person. Thankful for those that have able been able to join us online as well. Just a quick reminder, men, tomorrow morning, 6.30 at Elk Diner for Men's Prayer. Um, just continue to watch your, your email or watch the mail as, as situations may change in our community. We may adjust what we're doing, but as for, for right now, we'll continue on the way that we are and trust the Lord. But I want to thank you for worshiping here this morning. If you did bring an offering, there's a basket at the back and the, the deacons will be there. To, actually, the basket is there. You can just drop it inside and the deacons are already getting the doors ready. So um, the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Happy Father's Day, men. And um, Lord willing, we'll see you next week. You're dismissed.